0: Here's what I'd like for you to do. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're looking at verses 17 through 20, or 32 tonight, if we get that far. We may not get that far, uh, but, but we're going to get started into it. And the title of the study tonight is Live Like You Mean It. Live Like You Mean It. Now, we probably would all agree that Christians are to be different from non-Christians, right? Would you agree with that? There ought to be a difference, A clear difference between Christians and non-Christians. But, what is the thing that ought to be different? What is it that should distinguish the Christian from those who do not know Christ? I'd like to make a list of at least five things. Just general things. uh, uh, What what would you say are some things that would distinguish a Christian from a non-Christian? Now I'm talking about, um, for example, let me just give you one. Let's say language. Maybe your grandmother told you, Chris, you ought not talk like that. Right? Right? There's some things that that don't come out of my mouth uh, because I'm a follower of Christ. So we'd say one of the things perhaps that would distinguish a Christian from a non-Christian is language. Give me some others. What's some other ones? Oh, you got it. What was it? Where you hang out. All right, where you go. Okay, what else? Huh? Gossip. The way you treat people. Tragedies. All right, hang on. Y'all making a good list here. Huh? All right. Attitude, outlook. There was one somebody said I didn't write it down. Friends Yeah, I've got that one. Uh, tragedy, so you probably can't read it. Finances, the way you handle your finances. Priorities, that's a good one. What did he say? <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm not going to write it down there. My daddy always told me. All right. Well, give me one more. Make it ten. Love. That's a good one. All right. Things that distinguish Christians from non-Christians. Now, we could probably put some other things on there, like your goals, and you know, we could probably even put something on there like uh, appearance, the way you dress. Uh, you know, there, there are certain people in even in today's society, uh, certain groups, I should say. Uh, you know, ladies don't wear makeup. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's, that's, that's some people say this is how we distinguish a Christian from a non Christian. Ladies don't wear makeup. Or some of you ladies, remember you grew up in churches or, or in families where you didn't wear pants to church, right? How many? How many uh, all right, yeah. Because you see, that, that for them, and again, I'm not criticizing that, I'm just saying for them, that was the, the distinguishing mark or one of the marks between a Christian and a non Christian. Now, if you go way back, how many of you remember a time when your father, your grandmother, your whoever, said, "You can't go to the movies? Yeah, lots of you. Yeah. See, that where you went was a distinguishing mark. One of the places you didn't go to was the movies. How many remember a time when you didn't play cards? Yeah. Didn't play baseball on Sunday. Didn't dance. Huh? Couldn't go swimming, all right? <laughs> couldn't, couldn't shop on Sunday or go out to eat, that's right. Because there's certain things that distinguish a Christian from a non-Christian. Now, hear my heart on this. Absolutely, positively, you should be able to distinguish a Christian from a non-Christian. No doubt about that. That's what Paul is writing about in this text that we're going to be looking, looking at tonight. But what I want you to look at tonight as we look at this is what is it that the Bible says ought to distinguish your life? You know, you know I love Grandma and Grandpa, but, but Grandma and grandpa's not always right. You know, Grandma and Grandpa told you not to wear pants, but you're wearing pants right now, you kind of figured out that's okay. Okay? So what is it that the Bible says should distinguish you from a non-believer? Now, look at your outline. I just put a little quick paragraph right there. Those who belong to Christ are different from those who do not belong to Him. We're different in a lot of ways, aren't we? But but how are we to be different? What is to distinguish the Christian from those who do not know Christ? Paul focused on that question in this passage. Now, before I read the text... I'm going to give you three pivotal verses. And if you can read and know and understand these pivotal verses, you'll understand everything else Paul talks about in this text. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you to be up front a little bit closer because uh, these things I'm going to put up are not, uh, the papers aren't that big so you couldn't see them very well in the back. But there are three pivotal verses in tonight's study and they are in verses 17, 22, and 24 so before we read the whole text i just want to read those verses with you verse 17 ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 one of the pivotal verses so i tell you this and insist on it in the lord you must no longer live as the gentiles do in the futility of their thinking another pivotal verse is verse 22 look what he says in verse 22 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. All right, read this again. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. That's not the life you have now. Your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires because there ought to be a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian verse 24 is another pivotal verse and to put on the new self created to be like God in the true in true righteousness and holiness again there ought to be a difference between you as a christian and a non-christian all right so i want to focus on these three verses before we really look at the text as a whole this is kind of kind of a different approach but these three verses if you can understand these three verses everything else in the text kind of Hangs on these three verses. And so, I want to do it this way. Do you remember clothespins? We don't have any clothespins that I know of. Do we have clothespins at the house? I don't think we have clothespins at the house. Y'all have clothespins at the house? How many have clothespins at the house? Those are the people I should have called then. Uh, Could you bring your clothespins with you? We didn't have any clothespins. So, so I'm going to use these clips here. These are my clothespins. Closest thing I've got. And I was thinking, how could I illustrate this? Paul is basically saying, listen, there's three things I want to make sure you get. And these three things are like clothespins. They hold everything else together on the line. Everything you put on the line needs a clothespin on it. And Paul says, these are the three things you need to get. And if you'll get these three things... Everything else will kind of make sense to you. So, the first clothespin that I've got here is live differently. Then he says, in verse 22, what does he say in verse 22? This is verse 17, by the way. Verse 17 is live differently. Verse 22, what does he say? Huh? Put off your old self. Right here. And then in verse 24, what does he say? Put on the new self. All right, Now everything else that we're going to learn tonight, everything else that Paul wrote about in in Ephesians chapter 4, the rest of the chapter, kind of hangs on those three things. If you get these three things, you can understand everything else. So he says, live differently, put off the old self, put on the new self. And everything else we're going to study tonight will fall or hang from those things. (coughs) So, Christians are to be different. But how? Let's read about it. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning of verse 17. So I tell you this, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, in contrast to those people, in contrast to the Gentiles, the lost, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. You're to be different. You didn't come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him who were taught in him uh, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And that's a key statement there. We'll come back to it towards the end. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, verse 25, each of you, interesting he says each of you, wanting to make sure that you understand he's writing to you too. Therefore, each of you must put off. Because we're talking about, remember, putting off the old self? What does he mean when he says, put off the old self? Well, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, he says, okay, this is what it looks like. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we're all members of one body. And then he says, and here's another thing to put off. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. That's another thing to put off. <laughs> He who has been stealing must steal no longer. But must work doing something useful with his own hands. That he may have something to share with those in need. Uh, And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others. I thought he was writing to Christians. Man do you see the stuff that he's writing about here? Watch this. Paul is reminding the people in Ephesus. Hey folks. Folks. You ought to be living differently because Jesus lives in you. And sometimes we need to be reminded there's some things we've put up with that we need to put off. Hear that again. There's some things we've put up with that we need to put off. There's some things we've gotten used to we need to get rid of. There's some ways of thinking and acting and speaking that we've gotten comfortable with that we need to put off and in doing that we also need to put on some new things and we'll talk about that in a moment so have you ever listened before i'll get back to reading that but when you come in let's say you've been working out in the yard and and you know you're just sweaty and and you're dirty and and your wife says you remember we're going out to eat tonight and you say i got no problem with that i got clothes on No, you're not wearing that. Has your wife ever told you, you're not wearing that? Yeah. Because you understand, she understands, those are some dirty clothes you got on, and they smell. There's some things you need to put off. And then you're going to put on some clean clothes. Mama didn't do the laundry, so you could go dirty. You're going to put on some clean clothes, and then we're going to go out. Paul says that sometimes we got to do that. Look what he says, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. He's talking about what you need to put off, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Pray with me about this text before we dig into it. Father, there is so much in this, in this text that we've read that, that we can identify with. So much that I'm sure we read and, and we see and it's like, I don't know if I want to deal with that. I don't know if I'm ready to take that old part of me off. I don't know if I can turn loose of that. But Lord, I pray that you would show us tonight that there should be a clear difference between those who know Christ and those who don't. There should be a clear difference when Jesus lives in us. And I pray that you just speak to us individually as the Word says, each of us. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher, be our guide. Teach us as only you can, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What is it that distinguishes your life from those who do not know Christ? Paul tells us in this text, first of all, he focuses on the non-believer. And I hope you have your notes and you can follow along. Paul says, first of all, a non-believer thinks differently. Get your note sheet out. A non-believer thinks differently. It's interesting as Paul is starting to list all of this, he doesn't start with the Christian, but he starts with the non-Christian. So let me, let me explain to you the difference. And he, he says, a non-believer thinks differently. Those who do not know Christ think differently. Look at verse 17. Uh, read verse 17 to yourself, and I want you to look for some wording that would describe A phrase or two that would describe their thinking process. The thinking process of a non believer. What, What wording does he use there? The what? All right, the futility of their thinking. Look at verse 18. Look for another phrase or phrases that describe their thinking process, how they think differently. Darkened in understanding, futility in their thinking, darkened in understanding. What's the last part of verse 18? Hardening in their hearts. Now let's dig into that for a little bit. He says in verse 17, first of all, Christians, non-Christians think differently, and here's one of the ways. He talks about the, their futility in their thinking. The word futility has the idea of worthless, uh, worthless thoughts, desires, and ambitions which lead to nowhere. They're they're. they're it is futile what they're thinking is futile you could say that what they believe is an illusion what they imagine they imagine it to be true but in reality it's not true let me give you one example of the futility of their thinking and we could talk about lots of different examples but one example of the futility of their thinking that they think that that is they being a non-christian many of them think that this is true when in reality we don't think it is true that is evolution I think evolution is a great illustration of the futility of their thinking. If you study evolution and how they believe that we got from where they say we started to where we are today, my goodness, how in the world could you believe that? And as a Christian I'm looking at it thinking, are you nuts? But as a non-believer or not, as a non-Christian, they're looking at me when I say God created everything out of nothing and they're saying, are you nuts? Do you believe that God actually just kind of spoke and He created everything out of nothing? Well, That's exactly what I believe. But I believe it because my thinking is different from theirs. Have you ever got frustrated with a non-Christian and, and their thinking processes and that they just don't reason like you reason? Can I give you just... This, this is worth coming to church for. Just one little statement. They think different because... They are different. They think different because they are different. And rather than getting frustrated and mad at them, that might be a good point for you to pray for them. Paul talks about the futility of their thinking. A person who does not know God does not see life the way you see it. Uh, How many of you saw the movie recently, God is not dead? All right. If you haven't seen the movie, it'd be a good movie for you to see. Go rent it, whatever. I think it's out now. You can rent it. Uh, but it's basically this brilliant professor who who is not a Christian, and and his thinking is totally different from a Christian student that is in his class. And, and there's this knocking of heads, and this 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 worldviews are so different, They're approaching life so differently. And it's a perfect example about the futility of their thinking. You see, a non-Christian will judge God's Word by their theories and and philosophies of the day, but but they're not approaching God's Word from the perspective that you are. Paul further explains how a a person without Christ thinks in verse 18. He says, they are darkened in their understanding. The unsaved person thinks that they're enlightened, Paul says, in reality, they're not enlightened. They are darkened in their understanding. They they think that they are enlightened because they reject the Bible. They think that they are enlightened because they believe the latest philosophies. But Paul says, in reality, they're in the dark. They're darkened in their understanding. I mean, have, have you ever been just kind of dumbfounded by some of the things that a, that a non-Christian seems to believe? Let, let me give a couple of examples a, Christian scientists, for instance, believe that death is not real and that pain is an error of the mortal mind. I want to say that again in case you were sleeping through that. Christian scientists, and lots of Hollywood celebrities are Christian scientists. Name me one. There you go. Lots of, Christian, uh, or lots of Hollywood people are Christian scientists, and they believe that death is not real and that pain is an error of the mortal mind. Hindus believe that depending on how you behave in this life, you might come back as a cow or a cockroach. That, that you're going to come back, and you're going to be something different the next time around, and how you behave in this life will determine how, what you come back as. Paul would say that's an understanding of how their, their thinking is darkened. They are darkened in their understanding. Now, please do not see me thinking or or teaching that we are somehow superior to everybody. And we're just better than everybody else. They're a bunch of ignorant folks, and we're up here, and we know God, and we're better than everybody else. That's not the perspective at all. The perspective is this. It ought to break our hearts. That they are darkened in their understanding. They don't see what we see. They don't know what we know. He goes on to describe them this way, and this is what should really break our hearts. He says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Separated from the life of God. They're spiritually dead. Because, uh, verse 18, because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Sometimes I watch the news, and there are certain channels if you watch, and, and they, there are certain channels when you watch those channels, they are mocking Christians. And it's, it's not even hidden anymore. It's just, they are just mocking Christians on certain channels because of Whenever some, whenever some Christian comes out and has a, takes a stand on some issue, gay marriage or, or abortion or, or whatever it may be, whenever a Christian stands up and takes a stand, you just flip to certain channels and there'll be these talking heads on there and they are mocking Christians. There, there's one guy in particular on ESPN even. I mean, it's even bled over into ESPN. I love ESPN. But there's one guy on ESPN who happens to share the same name that I have, and I'm not going to say any more about him, but you can figure it out. I used to love to watch him. Until the whole gay marriage thing came out. And, and then like someone like Tony Dungy comes up and stands for the morality of marriage. And this guy gets on, on, on ESPN. And he is blasting Tony Dungy for his moral stance. I get so frustrated, I get so angry, and then I have to come back to a scripture like this one. Remind me, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Well, let's compare that to how a Christian thinks. Verse 20 and 21. We'll, we'll come back to these other verse 19 in a minute. You, however... You, however, did not come to know Christ that way, surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires and to put and to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let, let me just say this: you were taught to live differently, you were taught to think differently, you were taught what you understand now what they don't understand. That's what Paul's saying. You understand now what they don't understand. You have insight they, don't, they do not have. I want you to compare verse 17 and verse 23. Read, if you have the NIV, read it out loud with me. Verse 17 and verse 23. Verse 17, read it out loud. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. New means new in kind. A way a Christian views life is new and it's different. It's different from the way a non-believer views life. A non-believer thinks differently. Number two, a non-believer feels differently. Verse 18, a non-believer feels differently. Verse 18, Paul says, He describes those without Christ as those who suffer from a hardening of their hearts. The Greek word hardening could be translated numbness. Write that down somewhere. The the word hardening could be translated numbness. Let me read that verse to you again. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the numbness in their hearts. Men and women who do not know God have come under the tremendous deadening power of sin and their hearts have become hard and numb. I remember talking to a a lady sometime back who was a diabetic and had lost all sensitivity in her feet. And her feet are just numb and she feels no pain. And she went to a doctor with an infection that was in her foot and her ankle. Her foot and ankle were just really swollen and just, just horrible looking. And, and she didn't know what was wrong. She, she didn't really didn't even know she had a problem except by looking at it because she had no feeling in her foot. But, but looking at it, it was very obvious something was wrong with her foot. So she went to the doctor. And as he examined her foot, he pulled out a needle that had gotten stuck in her heel. And she didn't even know it was there. that's what Paul's talking about in this text that there are those who do not know God there is a numbness in their heart they don't feel what you feel they don't feel the conviction you feel they don't know what it feels like to be forgiven they don't know what it feels like to be convicted by sin they don't feel what you feel sin is like an anesthetic it deadens their conscience So they feel no remorse. It deadens their conscience. They feel no regret. Sin is an anesthetic, but a Christian feels totally different from that. A non-believer also acts differently. Number three, a non-believer acts differently. In verse nineteen, here's what Paul says: Having lost all sensitivity. They have given themselves over to sensuality. Now notice this. They have lost all sensitivity. They don't feel what you feel. They become numbed by sin. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. All you have to do is open tomorrow's newspaper And you'll probably see an example of this verse. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to look very far to see an example of this verse. A person without Christ is confused in his thinking. He is calloused in his feeling. And so he gives himself to a life that is described in two words. First of all, it is a life that is unrestrained. Write that down. It is a life that is unrestrained. He says, having lost all sensitivity... They are beyond feeling shame for their evil. Their darkened minds and darkened hearts lead to darkened behavior. You might want to write that little phrase down. Darkened minds plus darkened hearts lead to darkened behavior. They are beyond sensitivity. Paul says that in verse 19. Look at it again. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. It is a life that is unrestrained. I remember being, it happened more than once, but I remember being at the Southern Baptist Convention. This one happened to be in New Orleans. And uh, this, this kind of thing happens, or it used to happen a lot at the Southern Baptist Convention. Certain groups would come and picket at the Southern Baptist Convention. They'd stand outside as as all the Baptists are walking towards the Coliseum, and, and certain groups would be outside, and they're picketing and uh, in. In This particular group in New Orleans, a group of homosexuals, had a New Orleans-style funeral procession for the death of freedom. That was their funeral. They had a marching band and banners and special t-shirts, and they were marching men with men, women with women. And they were defiant. They were beyond shame. They were darkened in their behavior as they marched in front of the Baptist. In New Orleans. Paul describes it this way. Verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity. They have given themselves over. To sensuality. There is a word that has become popular in our culture. It is the word hedonism. Hedonism is the self indulgent pursuit of pleasure. As a way of life. Hedonist. You don't need to Google that one. But hedonist. Have really become a huge section of our society. It is a growing population of our society. And a hedonist basically, is. and they have their hedonist camps and all kinds of things. A hedonist is is, is a person who says, anything goes so long as it makes me happy. So they indulge in every kind of impurity. It is a life that is totally unrestrained. Paul talks about that. But here's the second word that describes it. The first word was what? Is a life that is what? Unre, unrestrained. Here's the second word that describes this kind of thinking and living. It is a life that is unsatisfied. Not only is it unrestrained, it is unsatisfied. Here's how Paul describes it in verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And look at this, with a continual lust for more. Why is there a continual lust for more? Can't be satisfied. He says there's a cross-sized hole in everybody's heart. And they're trying to fill it with Budweiser or sex or whatever. Uh, There's that emptiness inside. And they keep trying to find something to fill that emptiness. And the only thing that they know to do is to give themselves over to things. That they think will bring about satisfaction. And it is a life that is unsatisfied. So. Paul goes on to say. But a Christian should be different. Verse 20. You, however, verse 17 through 19 talks about the unbeliever. Verse 20, he says, but you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Your life should be different. Your lifestyle should be different. You did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you have heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Paul says, let me remind you, you're not perfect. Let me remind you, Christian, you still have some stuff you need to deal with. Let me remind you, Christian, you still need to put off the old self because you need to live differently. So we pick it up. Where does he say? Where did I leave off? Um, verse twenty-two. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. You need to think differently. Think differently than they do, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you were to ask me, Keith, what's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? How is a Christian to be different from a non-Christian? I think the answer is right there at in, in, in the end of that verse. Created to be like God in... What's that next word? True righteousness and holiness. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you say, how how should we look differently, live differently? You know, should we go to the movies? Should we play cards? Should we wear pants? All of those kind of questions are, are, you know, years past and even now, people wrestle with different kinds of questions. Can a Christian do this? Should a Christian do that? Can a Christian say this? Can a Christian go there? It, It really comes down to this question. Can you do this and be like God in true righteousness and holiness? That's the question. Created to be like God in true righteousness. And I like that word true righteousness. Because there is a false righteousness, isn't there? There is also a self-righteousness. Where I just try to make myself look better than you. And so long as I can make myself look better than you, I feel good about me. Just as long as I can make myself feel better than, than you. If I feel better about me than I feel about you, I feel like I'm doing okay. That's self-righteousness. He says true righteousness, and what's that next word? What? Holiness. Somebody describe holiness for me. Separated. That's a good one. What else? Pure. That's good. Spirit-filled. Good. Good. God says, be holy because I'm holy. Now, I'm sitting here debating whether we go forward or not. Because the next part of the passage is where Paul says, okay, let me show you what that looks like. Let me me plow close to the corn and show you what it looks like. I'll tell you what. Let let me just read it, and we may come back and study it deeper. How's that? That'd be all right. Let's try that. All right. So he says in verse twenty four, "To put on the new self, created be like God in true righteousness and holiness." Therefore, key word. Therefore, because you were created be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, because you're supposed to be different from those who do not know Christ. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. and speak truthfully to his neighbor. First thing he says, alright, if you want to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, stop lying. Man, I want to go into all this. I'm just going to read it to you. We, we'll probably come back to this. We'll probably come back to this. Stop lying. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Here's the second thing. Number, in verse 26. In your anger... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So he says, first, stop lying. Two, watch your anger. You've got to deal with your anger. Three, this is going to blow you away. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. But must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Stop stilling. Stop he said that to Christians. That's a shocker. Well, I don't steal. Huh? Yeah. Well, oh, we can get into a lot of stuff right there, but we're going to save it. We're going to save it. Uh, verse 29, this is where you're going to get elbowed by, by somebody, maybe. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Because he doesn't want you to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He says. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage. And anger. And brawling. And slander. Along with every form of malice. Be kind. Compassionate. To, just, uh, to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ. God forgave you. You want to know the difference between a Christian and a non Christian? It's in those verses right there. It's in those verses. Paul says, You need there's some things you need to put off, there's some things you need to put on, but basically here's where it hits the road. These verses twenty five through thirty two are the difference makers. Now, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We'll probably come back and, and look at that in detail, those those verses, those five sins that Paul... here, Man, I'm wanting to get into this. Here's, here's what Paul talks about. He talks about five sins. If you look at that list that I just read to you, he talks about five sins that seep into our lives. Five sins that sometimes we're not even aware of. Five sins that we, that seep into our lives we don't want to admit that are there. Five sins that just kind of seep into our lives and ruin everything it touches. Five sins that Christians struggle with and need to deal with. So that's our commercial for next Sunday night. Okay? Let me pray with you before we leave. With you, every head bowed. I want to tell you a story here I had on my notes. I skipped it. I just want to tell you this story. It's real short. Every head bowed. Just listen to this. The story is told of Martin Luther. One day he was answering the door at his home. And he heard the knock on the door. On the other side of the door a voice said, Does Martin Luther live here? And Martin said, No. He died. Christ lives here now. Christ lives here now and father I pray that that would be true for us that I no longer live but Christ lives in me and the life I live I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and it's in his name I pray amen